Welcome back to another episode of Jake's Takes. My name is Jake. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the podcast, where in this week's episode, we are going to be looking at the NBA teams and kind of looking at the post-trade deadline questions that these teams could have and kind of going and looking at some of the potential, you know, questions that uh, will arise or could arise from every team in the NBA. So, We'll start with the East, and then we'll go to the West and start with that. So, Chicago Bulls. Chicago Bulls are the top team at the moment in the Eastern Conference, and the question that I have for them is how do they plan on navigating the situation with Zach Levine and the potential contract situation for him? Because he has one year left on his contract, and after this one, it's all over. He could resign. He could go somewhere else. And so the biggest question is what do they need to do with their team to keep Zach Levine here? Obviously, if they win a championship, that's big. If they get to the finals, that's big. Eastern Conference Finals, that's big. But if they lose in the first round, that's an interesting situation that could change the dynamic and could potentially make Zach Levine a little uneasy on his situation. So they need to at least make it through the first round, maybe even through the second round to get assurances from him at least um, because if you're not giving him a reason to stick around then he's probably not going to stick around and so to me that's probably number one on the list is getting to the playoffs and having some success in the playoffs Um, and if they can do that then uh, that'll be a good starting point to basically get to uh, where they need to sort of be to keep him around long term I think you know their team is good But they need to, you know, have a great playoff run in order to actually, you know, make uh, him want to stay. Miami Heat are up next. And Miami, the question I have is, are they a championship roster or are they just a regular season roster? So I think there are two types of NBA teams. There are teams that might not have the greatest regular season but have great offseason and, more importantly, a great playoffs. Um, which gets them to the Eastern Conference or Western Conference Finals, NBA Finals. And then there's the regular season teams like we've seen before where they have great success in the regular season but can't do too much in the playoffs. And there are certain things that teams have or don't have that cause this. So I think they're a regular season team. I think there's a lot of great Eastern Conference teams that are on the list lower and are probably going to go or could go farther than Miami. They're a regular season team who probably will win in the first round, lose in the second round, and that's as far as I get out of them. Next is the Milwaukee Bucks, and the question that I have, and this is an important one, is can they repeat? So it's very hard in sports to repeat. It's very hard to take you know a championship run and do it again. Even if your roster is basically the same, with a few kind of tweaks adding in, Sergi Baca definitely helps. You have Grayson Allen and Pat Connington, who are pretty good shooting guards. They're not stars, but they're good role-playing shooting guards. I think there's enough players here where, you know, their team is still just as good, and they have great pieces surrounding them, and at the end of the day, that's what you kind of want to see. I don't know if they will repeat, but they do have a good chance of at least getting to the finals um, in the Eastern Conference. And I think the Eastern Conference is great, but the Western Conference is just as good, if not a little bit better. I don't really know exactly where this they fit in the scale of things, but they could repeat or at least get back to the you know, NBA Finals and give a good chance to whoever they have to play. So, yeah, 
there they are. Cleveland Cavaliers are up next, and sort of the one question I have about the Cleveland Cavaliers is what sort of direction are they going to take this team? Now, they have a bunch of young players. They got some veterans in there, you know, between Jared Allen, Karius LeVert, Laurie Markadin. Um, you know, these are younger players who have years under their belt. There's Evan Mobley and Darius Garland and Isaac Okoro and Sexton, who are more younger players with uh, less years under their belts. And so will they potentially re-sign Colin Sexton? Will they sign and trade him? Will they try and add more veterans to this roster? Uh, I think, you know, Cleveland's in an interesting spot because I don't know if they really, going into the season, expected to be where they were and where they are. And I don't think anyone in the NBA expected that. And so their coaching staff could, you know, prove everyone wrong. J.B. Bickerstaff could get Coach of the Year because of how great they're doing. And you could argue there are other teams that could get it. But he's done so much with this team that it's just insane to look at. So they're a team to watch this offseason because they could change the makeup of their team and go a little bit more with the veterans in hopes to cement themselves as a top five Eastern Conference team for sure. Next is the 76ers. And the one question I have, and this is James Harden, does he get them over that hurdle, or is their team basically where it should be and have been all along? So what I mean by this is I feel like in the uh, Eastern Conference, the 76ers have always had a good team, just not good enough for the playoffs, and they've always either lost in the first or second round of the playoffs. Does adding in James Harden and subtracting Ben Simmons make them a better team? Yes. Can they get farther in the playoffs? Yes. How far? I don't know. But I think, you know, sort of the questions that they have about shooting and scoring, James Harden gives you a lot of that, which Ben Simmons, you didn't really need him. Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, uh, Thibault, they're all defensive players who can fill in for those sort of stop gaps. And James Harden's more offensive-minded, which is more of what they needed, and he can shoot the ball, which is more of what they needed. So they get better with James Harden, and I think, you know, this is a team that will overstep potentially their sort of hurdles that they've always had in the playoffs, which was losing in the first or second round to teams that might have not been as good as they were, but definitely played better in a seven-game or five-game series. Next is the six-seed Boston Celtics, and sort of my question for them is, with the addition of Derek White, they have Marcus Smart, Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Robert Williams as their late game starting five, best five. Can they get to the Eastern Conference Finals or the NBA Finals with this team? So if everybody's healthy, and what we saw was a nine-game winning streak, which was broken by the Pistons, they are a team with that group that could get to the Eastern Conference Finals and is a dark horse in the East because of how great they are offensively and the fact that now they have two guards in Derek White and Marcus Smart who are interchangeable at that point guard, shooting guard combination. Great on defense, great on offense. Derek White's more the offensive one. Mark Smart's better on defense, but they're both great. And this gives you more sort of switching. Um, and so they are a dark horse to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, and they're going to be a team to kind of really look at in the playoff race. Next up is the Toronto Raptors, and my one question for them as they sit there as the seventh seed, are they very good or is this a fluke season so last year they weren't as good this season they came back much better obviously adding in scotty barnes helped as a rookie 
are they a team that's going to be great next year and in the future? Or are they a team that this just happened one year and then it's back to being mediocrity or some sort of, you know, bottom half of the Eastern Conference? My guess is they're going to probably be where they are right now. Looking at the rest of the Eastern Conference just for a minute, Brooklyn is probably going to be when Ben Simmons is healthy next year, if Kyrie is healthy next year, and Durant's healthy next year. A better team but outside of that I'd say they're better than most of the other teams in the Eastern Conference underneath them so I think they this is not a fluke I think they can get to where they are here will they be top five no will they be a seven eight nine seed yes I think there's a lot to be said and who knows how Cleveland will do next year we don't know if he's gonna be top tier or not who knows how Miami will do next year uh, depending on their team, the Celtics. We don't know how any of those teams will work out, but I could easily say they're a 7-8 seed this uh, season and next season. Next up is the Brooklyn Nets, and my question for them is, they have three-star level players, two of which have their own issues that have kept them off the court for a while. Can the Brooklyn Nets win a championship this year, or will they sit in mediocrity and potentially not even make the playoffs at all? So if the rest of the season happens and Ben Simmons comes back healthy and gets to play and Kyrie comes back healthy and gets to play and Kevin Durant um, is healthy, yeah, they can make the playoffs and they can be a seven seed or six seed that's actually like, you know, surprising everyone. And if they're a seven seed and they have to play Miami, I wouldn't be surprised if Miami loses in the first round to this group. The only issue in... Uh, you know, I've said this, and it's pretty obvious, is just health and just the situation with Ben Simmons and Kyrie. Kyrie actually, I think, came out and was a little upset that he can't play uh, all his games, but the whole reason you're not playing is because of the vaccine, and if you just want to say, you know, I feel upset that I can't play all these games, well, you can just rectify that by getting the shots and just vac vaccinate. It's not that they need him, per se, because they have Seth Curry, Joe Harris, Patty Mills, but I will say that you bring this on yourself. But they are a team that could surprise a lot of people. Um, I don't know if they'll win a championship, but they're a decent team for sure. Next up is the Hornets. And my question for the Hornets involves sort of the makeup of their team. They have some younger guys and some veterans. What direction will the Hornets go in moving forward? Will they keep sort of this veteran core with Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier and Kelly Oubre and, you know, Montrezl Harrell, they'll re-sign him, LaMelo Ball, or will they try and go younger, try and get rid of Rozier, try and get rid of Gordon Hayward and try and build around LaMelo and Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington and give Book Knight more minutes? I probably would say the former, keeping these veterans and building your team. Maybe Hayward gets traded because I don't know if they really want to have that much money tied up, but... There is also the possibility that they keep him, keep this core, re-sign Montrezl Harrell, and with a healthy Montrezl Harrell and a healthy group here, try and see how far they can go next year. That's probably more what they'll do, maybe you know, add pieces around the fringes. Atlanta Hawks are up next, and my one sort of question for them is, what is the ideal sort of off-season move to get them from where they are to being much better? And so the answer to me it's pretty straightforward, and I've seen this um, a few places. Malcolm Brogdon. I think Malcolm Brogdon is the ideal player for Atlanta for a few reasons. Number one, they had interest in Marcus Smart and Derek White, so they obviously want a guard 
who's a combo guard who can actually, you know, score and defend and all that stuff. And obviously Brogdon couldn't get traded at the deadline or I think Atlanta would have thrown the tires on something and at least tried to see what was going on. And so on the offseason, there's enough players here to make it work whether the most logical choice is trading John Collins because of salary matching and just how it fits both sides. But there's Gallinari, there's Clint Capella, there's, you know, Bogdanovich, there's DeAndre Hunter. My guess is you could do a John Collins and Brogdon deal and fill in where the cracks need to go. If that's adding more stuff to go to Atlanta or to the Pacers, I think it would work either way. I think that's the the big question, and I think the answer is Brogdon, because if they are interested in sort of that combo guard, then you're probably not going to get, obviously, Smart or Derek White, because they're both on Boston now, and I don't think the Celtics will trade them for um, any of what you're throwing out there unless they feel it's right. So I personally think, you know, Brogdon's the guy they go for. Next question, and this is the Wizards. Is there anything they can do this season to keep Bradley Beal here long term, or is the writing on the wall for Bradley Beal? My answer, writing's on the wall for Bradley Beal. I've been listening to different podcasts, and they'll talk about Bradley Beal, and what they'll say is he's probably not going to stick around, or he's going to sign long term and then demand to get traded once he's made his money. Either one of those two could take place. I think Bradley Beal, the writing's on the wall. He's not sticking around in Washington. He's been here for so long, but they haven't given him a reason to go out there and compete. Adding Porzingis was a pretty good move, but he's not someone who's a great player. And I think for Bradley Beal, I just don't see anything coming out of this roster, especially because they got $31 million on Porzingis, and they have $26 million tied up between KCP and Kuzma. And I just don't see them in the sort of long term having a team that the Wizards kind of actually want to, you know, build around. And Bradley Beal might not want to be, be there for that. The thing that Portland did, and I'll talk more about them in the Western Conference, is they got rid of a bunch of cap space contracts. You know, CJ McCollum made $30 million. He's off the books. Covington's gone. You know, Monon Powell's gone. So Portland got rid of cap space to get a little bit more flexibility. Washington didn't. And yeah, I don't think he's sticking around. And I wouldn't be surprised if he is gone. New York Knicks are up next. And my one question to them is, are they regretting some of their off-season moves? And are they regretting the fact that they have some contracts tied down for longer than they should be? So I think the Knicks might be regretting adding in guys like Evan Fournier and adding in guys like Kemba Walker. I think, you know, they're a team that tried to do something different, which is adding in role players to help their team rather than saving this money for a big star that's not available. I think they're a little bit regretting these moves. I don't know if they'll actually do anything about it, but I do believe that at the end of the day, they might be regretting some of these uh, moves that I just personally think um, they probably uh, don't like now because they added in Cam Reddish, who does a lot of what uh, Evan Fournier does, and he's going to be a cheaper contract in the long term. So if they move on from Fournier, if he has any value or... Uh, Kemba, maybe, we'll see, but I think they might be regretting some of these offseason moves because they're not really that good this season at all, and that's just my own opinion. Now, moving on to the Indiana Pacers, the one question I have for them is, going into the offseason, they're looking to rebuild. Who is the most likely player to get moved? And my opinion is Malcolm Brogdon. 
he is the ideal player for today's NBA, point guard, shooting guard. There are teams that would definitely have interest in him. I think there are teams that could have cap space to take him on, and you don't have to give back the same money in return. He only makes $21 million, so he's a good you know, contract. He's got four years, uh, this one and three more, so he's the most likely trade candidate for the Pacers. Detroit Pistons are up next, and for me, I guess the question I have for their team is uh, pretty straightforward. What is their biggest position of need when they go into the draft? What is sort of the one position that I think they could use? And I think the answer to that question is shooting guard. Uh, because I think if you look at their team, Kate Cunningham kind of plays that point guard role. So does Killian Hayes, but Kate Cunningham is a point guard at times. And so bringing in a true shooting guard, someone who's you know, a true shooter score shooting guard. Probably where they go right here and right now. Because at the uh, power forward position, they have Jeremy Grant and Marvin Bagley. Which there are players out there that are power forwards that they could bring in to potentially replace those guys who are much, well, I guess in Grant's case, older. Um, they could try and uh, replace one of them if needed. Center position, they have Isaiah Jackson. Which I think there is room for improvement there. But I think shooting guard would be the ideal number one choice. Um, and kind of where I think they go from here. Then we have the Orlando Magic, and the one question I have for them is what is the point guard, shooting guard situation for their team going to look like long-term? Because they have Cole Anthony. They also have um, R.J. Hampton. They also have uh, Fultz. They also have um, uh, other players, Jalen Suggs. Um, so the question is what are they going to do? I think Jalen Suggs and most likely Cole Anthony will be your starting point guard, shooting guard, which means Markel Fultz might be the odd man out unless they want to keep him on the bench. Maybe he gets moved. I also think there's issues at the forwards because they have Franz Wagner, who's a small forward, which is the starter. But then they also have um, two guys in Mo Bamba and they have Jonathan Isaac and Wendell Carter Jr. that basically have to play um, two of those guys have to play positions, and it's hard to decide who's going to go where. Right now, Obama's your center, and maybe Isaac, when he's healthy, is your power forward. But, you know, Wendell Carter Jr. is great as well, so that's an interesting one. I don't know the answers on that one, but I think you have Cole Anthony and Suggs as your starters at the point guard and shooting guard. So that's that. Next up is the Western Conference Phoenix Suns. My one question to them is, will they win a championship this year? My answer is, I don't know, but they have the best chance in the NBA, in my opinion. They are the best team in the NBA, and I wouldn't be surprised if they get to the finals again. Unlike last year, they didn't win. This year, they could win. And I think it's probably going to be the Suns, but uh, I can't know for sure. I just think they got the best shot. Next up is the Golden State Warriors. And my one question for the Golden State Warriors is, how much longer does the Steph Clay Draymond trifecta have being successful in Golden State. So I think I give two years for Steph, Clay, and Draymond before things go downhill south, right? I think they have Andrew Wiggins, who's an all-star, who's been great. You got James Wiseman and some of these other young guys who are great. But at the end of the day, the core of Steph, Clay, Draymond has about two years left before they kind of take their nosedive and uh, kind of slip a little bit, even more so um, than they did last year. So I think that's a good guesstimate. 
Next is the three-seed Memphis Grizzlies. And will the Memphis Grizzlies actually win a championship, or will they be a great playoff team and not win a championship? So the Memphis Grizzlies remind me in a little of the Miami Heat in the sense that I think both of those teams are sort of great regular season teams, but when it comes to the playoffs, they probably won't get as far uh, in the playoff race because I think they're just a great regular season team. They don't have the star power outside of John Morant to really go too far in the playoffs, and I think they're kind of running at a very fast pace, but then will kind of lose it towards, towards the playoffs and at the end of the season. And so I think they're great in the regular season, but playoffs are different, and I don't think they're ready for that. So that's where I see them. Utah Jazz, four seed. Uh, next question goes to them. And the one question I have, and this is an important one, is if they don't have a great playoffs this year, do they consider moving Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert? Because for the past few years, it's been Gobert and Donovan Mitchell together, and it doesn't seem like that's always going to pan out. So if they don't have a great playoffs and things don't seem to work out for their team, there is a good chance that they have to ask the question, is it Donovan Mitchell who's a problem? Is it Rudy Gobert? Do they need to change it up? One of those guys could get moved or want to get moved, and they have to consider that as a potential option if things don't go well. Dallas Mavericks are up next in the Dallas Mavericks. One question is this. They traded away Kristaps Porzingis, brought in Dinwiddle and Bertans. How good can Dallas be with this team? How good can the Dallas Mavericks go, or how far can they go in the playoffs? And my guess is losing the first round. I don't think Dallas is a team that's going to go far in the playoffs. I think there are teams that have a better chance than they do. And I just don't think Dallas has what it takes to be a championship team this year. They're going to lose in the first round. If it stays as these standings, and I think that's where it is, Utah is going to beat them in the first round for sure. Next is the Denver Nuggets. And the one question for the Denver Nuggets that I have, and this is an important one, is this Michael Porter Jr.'s last year in Denver? Michael Porter Jr. is a great young player. He's only 23 years old, but he is someone who gets hurt more times than not. And he is someone who, for a lot of teams, might be a good piece to have. But for a playoff team like the Nuggets, is that what they really want to have on their team? My guess is this could be his last year, right? If there's other small forwards out there that are better fits for their team and are healthier, I wouldn't be surprised if Porter Jr. is one guy who gets moved down the line. Because the Nets have a first-round pick this year. And it's probably not going to be the greatest one. So potentially we could see Porter Jr. get moved for a much better fit who's healthier for sure. Next up is the Minnesota Timberwolves. And the one question I have for the Timberwolves is how long is Carl Anthony Towns going to be happy in Minnesota before he asks to leave? So I guess this question is an important one because they've kind of kept this group together with sort of D'Angelo Russell coming in and then they added in Anthony Edwards and you know, you still have Carl Anthony Towns. He might not want to stick around if this is where the team's going. And if they don't show him that they have a clear path to getting better, I don't see him sticking around long-term with this team. He could actually want to get traded, which is not something that the team probably wants, but if it's what he wants, they have no choice, right? Next up is the Los Angeles Clippers. And the one question I have for the Clippers, can they make a run in the playoffs? Now, honestly, with this group, if everyone's healthy, yes, I think they can have a pretty decent run come playoffs. And 
if they make it, they're the eighth seed, um, and they'd have a tough battle. But there is a good chance that if they can get through, maybe they get to the seventh seed, and things could be a little better. Paul George and uh, Kawhi taking on Steph and Clay. Um, I don't know if uh, they'll get that far. Um, I don't know if they'll even make the playoffs, to be honest. But if they do make the playoffs, I don't think they'll go super far. But um, I guess if they get on a run, I guess you never know. Um, it could surprise a lot of people. And they also played a while back, the Golden State Warriors, when they were kind of a unknown team. They made the 8th seed. They had a good sort of playoffs uh, against Golden State. They ended up losing, but it was sort of the start of their um, come up with. They had Doc Rivers as a head coach at that point, uh, if you remember, uh, way back then. Um, I forget what year it was. Next up is the Los Angeles Lakers. And my one question for the Lakers, are they old and is this team going downhill? So they are a 9 seed, and they have Westbrook, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis. On paper, those are three Hall of Fame guys, and unfortunately, they're not playing great. And I don't know if it's because the Western Conference is better. I don't know if it's just these guys are very old and they're losing a step. But this is not traditional LeBron James. This is not traditional Russell Westbrook. And I think Westbrook, despite the success he's had, has been pretty bad as a teammate with all of the teams he's been on. And I think he's made the Lakers a lot worse coming in. And I think, you know, they brought him in because he's a star and he's friends with LeBron. And it's Los Angeles and that's where he's from. But he really kind of has had a negative impact on this team. To the point where I don't really think they're going to be that good. And this could hurt them long term. Especially if there are teams that are a lot lower on the totem pole that get much better. Next question, number 10, Trailblazers. Are the Trailblazers legit and a team that Damian Lillard wants to stay in? Or are the Trailblazers going to be a rebuilding team and Damian Lillard doesn't want to stay there and he's going to want to leave? So the biggest question that we have, and this is just my own opinion, is the Trailblazers all these moves with the intention of building around Damian Lillard. But is Damian Lillard going to want to be there through this rebuild does this team say hey we want to build around you and he says nah I'm good I want to leave maybe I think it's a lot more likely that the moves that the trailblazers have made while in their mind are trying to help Damian Lillard are actually doing the opposite and he leaves on the offseason or at least says hey I don't want to be here he's not a free agent so he can't just walk away but if he says I don't want to be here anymore Maybe that's the end of Portland and Damian Lillard for good. We'll see what happens, but it's not a sure thing that he sticks around despite all these moves that they've made. Pelicans are up next, and my one question for the Pelicans, can this group long-term be successful, or is this C.J. McCollum situation a mistake? So I think this season, obviously, they're not going to be a playoff team. It's just too late. But I think in the future... With Zion, if he's healthy, Devontae Graham, Jonas Valanciunas, Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum is a great starting five. Shooting, scoring, defense, those are all things that you look for. So, in my opinion, this is not a team that can go far this year because they just don't have the time. But next year on a fresh slate, maybe you bring in one free agent, then you have a better situation, right? So, the thing about Portland was that they didn't want to keep around someone like uh, CJ McCollum because they wanted to have that cap space Pelicans are fine taking him on right they also have a bunch of future first round picks 
They have one from the Lakers uh, in 2024, one from Milwaukee in 2024. They have one from Milwaukee in 2026. They have, you know, some pick swaps in there with the Lakers and with uh, Milwaukee. So there's ways to make for a better situation in the future if you have to trade some, some picks. They have a good situation long term for sure. Next up is the San Antonio Spurs. And the one question I have for the San Antonio Spurs, what is their next step? What is the next move for the San Antonio Spurs? They have DeJounte Murray. They got some role players who aren't the greatest role players, but Doug McDermott's a decent role player. Richardson's uh, a decent role player. Sedaronsky is a point guard, shooting guard combination guy who's decent. I think, you know, their team has... A whole host of young guys that some have panned out and some haven't. I guess we don't really know what their direction is. I think some of these sort of veterans are probably going to get moved and they're going to maybe try and give more minutes to the young guys. My best guess is they draft some sort of big man with their draft choice um, and kind of set themselves up for some sort of younger core moving forward. Next up is the Sacramento Kings and my question for Sacramento is what is the future look like in Sacramento? Can they be a playoff team with Sabonis? So the answer to that question is pretty straightforward. I think sort of like the Pelicans, their season is just too short to get to the playoffs. But again, fresh slate next year, there is a good chance that they get to the playoffs with De'Aaron Fox and Harrison Barnes and Sabonis and Rashawn Holmes, Justin Holiday, you know, Davion Mitchell's there. They do have um, draft picks to use, mostly first-round picks and some second-round picks outside of, the, of their own. Um, but there is a lot that they can do with their team to get better and a lot that they can do to build their team to get better. And I think getting rid of Halliburton kind of was tough, but they got rid of some of the logjam at the, the guard position, which was very important for their team and for Davion Mitchell's uh, progressive rise in this organization so they got better in my opinion in a lot of different ways even though Tyrese Halliburton was a great player I think at the end of the day they did what they needed to and I think they could be a playoff team come next season next up is OKC and the one question I have for them is what is their biggest drafting need in uh, this upcoming draft what position is most important in the draft for them so the easy answer and this is just my own opinion is the point guard because I think they have Shy who plays shooting guard, Josh Gidley's there as well as Lou Dort, and unfortunately, um, you know you're not going to really be able to play Gidley and Dort together long term because I think they both kind of play very similar styles of basketball. Uh, obviously, Gidley's a lot uh, taller, but I think in the future they're going to have to fill. Um, point guard position and that's probably their biggest need so going out and getting a point guard in the draft is where I see them going then we have the Houston Rockets who are up next and the Houston Rockets the one question I have for them is what player is the most likely to get traded on the offseason now the answer I have is Eric Gordon and I think that's just because he's a veteran on a team that's built with young guys and I think you can argue Christian Wood is still young enough to keep around and I think John Wall is just going to ride out his contract with their team 
Eric Gordon's the one that I think has a decent salary, $18 million. He's easier to move, and I wouldn't be surprised if he does. And that's kind of where I see them going from here, is going in a direction where they can kind of, you know, get rid of him, get some new pieces, and kind of start their rebuild and move forward with this new and improved and upgraded team with Eric Gordon traded away.